Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 283. Then I realized, oh my gosh, if I want to sell a hammock, I have to teach people how to hang a hammock because otherwise they're going to go crazy. Attention gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or are looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, gift biz gal, Sue Monheit. Hi there, Sue here, and thanks so much for joining in with me today. We're into fall right now. Already, can you believe it? I mean, it's one of my favorite times of the year, with the leaves changing here in Chicago and the crisp, fresh air. And everything turns to apples and pumpkins and cinnamon. Yum! (laughs) But we still have this virus hanging around. And so I want to do a little check-in with you. Because let's face it, we need to be done with this already. So if you need a pick-me-up by way of camaraderie with other makers, I want to remind you that there's a ready-made community waiting for you in my Facebook group called Gift Biz Breeze. We would all welcome you to join us with open, yet for the time being, distanced arms. Just go to Facebook, search for Gift Biz Breeze, and request to join. You can hear more about what Gift Biz Breeze is all about at the end of the show. Meanwhile, lots of goodies in store for you today. We're going to be talking with Anna, who's just been in business for a couple of years, but is definitely making a statement in her industry. She shares her initial steps for getting started, key action that she took in the beginning that gave her a roadmap for how to proceed, and some excellent, fresh social media tips that may be new to you. Make sure to stay to the end to hear all about that. Plus, bonus, I give you a little admission myself about something I didn't realize when I started my first business. All of that coming your way right now. Today, I am so excited to bring you Anna Bolanis of Limbo Imports. Anna was born and raised in El Salvador and had always been fascinated by artisan-made goods and craftsmanship. She came to the United States when she was 18 and had always dreamt of owning her own business, one that could make an impact. So true to this vision, Anna partnered with a team of artisans to co-design hammock chairs in a way that preserves Mayan ancestry yet adds a modern twist. Each fair trade hammock is one of a kind and allows Anna to celebrate history and her home country's tradition. They're functional pieces that are also beautiful and provide relaxation. Anna, welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. Hi, thank you, Sue. I'm so excited to be here joining you on your podcast. I'm really excited too. So I think I've told you because I comment in your feed all the time about how beautiful your product is. And I've never really heard your story, so I can't wait to dive in and talk about it. (laughs) Yes, I'm excited, too, to share it with you and everybody. Yay! But as you know, because I know you're an avid listener, I'm going to start off with a traditional question, and that is the motivational candle. 
So if you were to describe a candle that really speaks to you, what color would it be? And what would be a quote or some type of saying on that candle? For sure, Sue, my candle would be light blue, like the ocean. The ocean, the beach is my happy place. As a little kid growing up, we used to go to the beach all the time. And it's just a place that gives me a lot of joy and peace. And so the quote on my candle will definitely be something that is very positive. It would be, follow your dreams. They know the way. It's something that I live by. As an entrepreneur, I feel like I always need to be very positive. I need to set goals and be consistent in order to make them a reality. I believe that dreams can come true. And if you work hard, you can accomplish them. So I try to stay true to that and be as positive as I can going forward. So do you feel that that positivity is what helped you continue going, like when there might have been times that were frustrating, which hopefully we'll get into some of those here, but was it just your positive mental attitude and the vision that helped you get through? Yes, because as an entrepreneur, I know that every day I'm going to be dealing with difficulties. Every day I need to make a decision or deal with a problem. That's part of owning a business. But if I know my goal and I think about what my dream is and my vision, that's going to keep me going. I always have that clear in my mind and try to push forward. That's a good point. And I'll share, I'll be a little bit honest here. I'm almost embarrassed to say this, but I'm going to anyway. When I started my businesses, well, the first one, particularly when I was learning all about business, I mean, I'd been in corporate forever, but not my own business. I thought, you know what, I'm going to make this business so smooth in terms of running, how things work and the systems and all of that. There won't be any problems. And like, what a fallacy is that, right? And then a problem would come up and I'd solve it and I'd be like, okay, everything's good. And then another problem would come up. And it took me quite a while to realize what you were just saying, that there are always going to be things that come up just recognize it and deal with it. And actually, I was much calmer when I realized that that's just going to be part of the gig. It's the way it goes. Exactly, exactly. We just have to understand that that is part of owning a business and doing something new that nobody has ever done before or giving it a different perspective because we don't want to copy what's out there, right? We want to be original. And so that means we're also going to fail at some things and then we just have to pivot and try to go in a different direction. Agreed. And also, I would say some things aren't new to others, but they're new to us. And that's okay, too. You can't know everything. So you learn, you meet those challenges, you have a positive attitude, like you're saying, Anna, and then you move forward, then you go on. Yes, I agree. Wonderful. So take it from the top for us. So you come to the States, and you're young yet, and share with us then how everything progressed to Limbo Imports. Okay, so really for you to be able to understand why I started my business, you would need to learn about my history and my past. Basically, I was born in El Salvador, and El Salvador is the smallest country in Central America. So it is a very tiny country. It went through civil war, and there's a lot of poverty, there's a lot of crime. But growing up, Sue, honestly, I don't remember any of this. I just remember good things about my country. People are very warm and welcoming. We have beautiful beaches. We have beautiful lakes. And the landscape is amazing. And the food is delicious as well. So I have very, very fond memories of my country. I left when I was 18 because I was coming to university and I was going to pursue a degree. 
My parents had also done the same. Both of them had been able to get college degrees from universities here in the U.S. And so I was given that opportunity by my parents. So my idea was to come here for four years, get a degree, and then go back home, maybe work in a multinational company or something like that. But then after my four years, then I started dating my now husband, and he was also studying here abroad in the U.S. He was in the technology industry. So for us, it was just a no-brainer. It just really made a lot of sense for us to stay here in the U.S. just because he could learn more. And going back to a third world country would mean that he wouldn't be able to progress or expand his opportunities as much as he would here in the U.S. So that's basically why I ended up staying here. So what was your degree in then? So I actually have a business degree. Basically, what I do now, it is an international marketing, right? So when I did that back in the late 90s, it was very, very different, Sue. I'm really telling you, email was the thing. That was just starting. I mean, we were just basically using different things that are probably not relevant anymore. So I do feel like I have a very solid background because I have that business degree. But also, I stayed home with my children for many years, almost 12 years, right? So right after I moved into the U.S., we stayed here with my husband, and then I stayed home simply because my family and his family, everybody was in El Salvador. So it just made sense for me as well to stay home with my children because we have three boys. Now they're grown, they're teens. One is in college already, but it just made sense at that moment for me to spend more time with them and care for them. And so our idea was really to go back. We always wanted to go back. We always loved El Salvador. And so as time progressed and our children started growing, we realized that we were very lucky to be here in the United States, right? That there's a lot of opportunities and our children started making friends. Then we really just made the decision to stay here. My children, they're bilingual. I really, really try hard to make sure that they speak as much Spanish as they can. And then we always have been traveling back. My family comes, they visit, and I always, always, every year go and been traveling back, going to El Salvador and to nearby Central American countries and trying to connect with my roots and enjoying things that I grew up with. Okay. All right. So, and I get that when you have children and they start getting older, making friends, get established in a school the roots start developing. So what plans were when you two were a couple and newly married clearly can change when kids enter the picture. That totally makes sense. So where along the way did you decide, all right, now's the time, the boys are getting older, now's the time I want to start a business. Take us there because I think there are a lot of people who are listening who are still in that thinking stage and haven't decided to actually do something yet. So I'd be really curious what the deciding point was for you to actually do something. Yeah, so when I started seeing, Sue, that my children were growing and they didn't need me as much, the reason why I went to college was because I wanted to make an impact somehow. I wanted to work. I really enjoy being productive. And so I actually started working in a different field with medical interpreting and just part-time and then transition into another opportunity that was given to me. And it was more of an importing business. And so when I was there for a few years, I kind of go back into the business scene and really started noticing that that was my passion, right? That I really wanted to start something of my own. 
And so that's how I kind of just started thinking about the options that I had. And when I started thinking, I said, well, I've always, always been fascinated by hammocks. And that's something that I grew up with. And I remember going on vacation back on spring break. We were at the beach and we were walking around and looking at these beautiful homes. And they just had chairs. And I just kept thinking, what if they had a beautiful hammock chair there or a beautiful hammock? Wouldn't that look beautiful? And that just gave me the idea. And I said, oh my gosh, people here are missing out on beautiful hammocks. Like if I could only bring them into the U.S. and show them how beautiful the hammocks are. It's so true, Anna. These hammocks aren't the hammocks that you think of. Like anyone who's not seen Limbo Imports, they are in all different colors. The knotting is beautiful. They're chairs that can hang from, I guess, the ceiling. It has to have some good strong <laughs> leverage to hang, but that's an aside. But these truly are different than what people think of if you just think of hammocks and have never been exposed to what you're doing. So they're beautiful. Okay, so you have this idea. Then what did you do first? Like you mentioned, Sue, I mean, hammocks have been around for centuries. I did not invent hammocks, of course. The Mayans invented them centuries ago, right? So there's the traditional hammock. There's all different kinds of hammocks. If you go down to Central America, you'll find that it is very common for people to have hammocks in their homes and everything. So I was like, okay, I love hammocks, but I have to be able to adapt them to the U.S. market. So then I went and started doing a lot of research. I said, okay, let me see what's out there. And then that's how I got started, basically. And realized that there was a niche that had not been addressed, maybe, right? Because what I realized is that people, yes, they want to relax, but they also want to bring something beautiful into their homes, right? So not only do you want to have something hanging there that's going to give you hours of relaxation or just a place where you can lay and chill, but you can also be confident that it's going to look beautiful and that it's going to add to the beauty of your home. So that's exactly what I set off to do, right? So I went back since I've been traveling back all the time and I already had a friend who had been working with a team of artisans. So that's where my business model is actually something that just made it so simple and easier for me because I did not have to teach the artisans how to make them. They've already been making them for years. So what I did was we sat down, we created prototypes and basically we created about six designs and I definitely knew what I wanted. I had a vision. It was just a matter of getting the prototypes made. And so that's what we did. So are they made in El Salvador? Yes, 100% made in El Salvador. Everything from the wood spreader, the strings, the cotton canvas, and everything is made in El Salvador by the artisans. So I do have to tell you, in all honesty, I am not a crafty person. <laughs> I'm sorry to let you down, but I am creative in a different way. <laughs> <laughs> You're not letting me down. <laughs> I mean, I can't even read my own handwriting sometimes. It's funny, but I am creative in a different way. And so... That's why I love your podcast so much, Sue, honestly, because when I started to listen to the podcast, it just gave me ideas and it made me connect to that creative side. The handmade business is so unique and I really needed to be in touch with that part of me where I could actually transmit that to the customer, right? Because a handmade product is so one of a kind. It's not just to say that, but it is true, right? It's special because it's made by hand. 
And there's a story behind each handmade product. Absolutely. And that's really interesting, too, because I think there are are two different types of people who love handmade products and decide to have it as a business. One is the person who starts off being the artist. They're making the product and they're then needing to share it with the world. So they need more of that business knowledge. You come from the other direction. You have the business knowledge. You have the love for the products. And so you found someone else who had the expertise i.e. all the artisans in El Salvador, to give their expertise about how to design it and make it into what you had already envisioned. Exactly. That is so cool. Okay, so I'm really excited about this because I didn't even know that part. Okay, so what did you do in terms of forming a concrete plan? You had your prototype, you figured out what the product was going to look like, maybe the colors and all that at that point too, perhaps? So the thing is that what's beautiful in Latin America or Central America or any country is not what's beautiful here, right? So being here in the U.S. for so many years kind of gave me that feel. I understand what's trending. I go out, I shop, I see what people are following or liking or just in general how people are decorating their homes. So that really gave me a solid idea of how I could modify or create our collection. So we just sketched those designs. I brought in some prototypes. At this point, no prototype, but samples. Everything that we do is online. So everything is e-commerce at this point. And I started trying to see what would happen. And oh my gosh, like I was just so, so excited to see all the positive feedback and people starting to ask for different things and asking questions. And I just immediately saw how people were just getting excited and liking the product. When did Limbo Import start officially? So I haven't been in the market for a long time, actually. So my business started November of 2018. So it hasn't even been two years yet. And then you said you started right online. Tell us a little bit more behind that, because I think this will be really interesting for people who are just thinking, like we were talking about before, haven't taken action yet. Maybe they can follow through with something that you did, because the thing that I really like hearing about what you've done is you saw immediate interest from the market. But how did you get the product in front of the market? So because it's so easy nowadays, there's so many platforms, Facebook, Instagram, there's so many ways to sell either on your website or Etsy or Amazon Handmade. I mean, those platforms are there and it's so much easier nowadays because you can just set up a product there and see what happens and people will start reacting to it. But social media, I actually started my Instagram account earlier on. Even before I had my product, like I think I started in February. My business didn't get started until November, but I started to post pictures and people would start commenting and asking. So right from there, I already had an audience. So you started with Instagram, not Facebook. Then you built up the audience. So you started having people following you and interested in the product or interested in you before you really even started selling. Yes, exactly. Because otherwise, it's going to take forever if you were working on the product and if you're waiting for the product to arrive and develop it and make all the changes, that's going to take forever. And actually, customers are interested in that, right? So you might want to share and be like, what color do you like the best? This one or this one? Even as you're creating the products, people want to find out about the behind the scenes of the creation. Are all your images still up on your Instagram account, those really early ones? 
Yes, Sue. You can go back and see them. They're actually, some of them are not even mine. I found them on the internet because I really didn't have my styles or my designs yet. So I just started posting a little and started to see what people were saying or what they were liking. And then that definitely gave me a clear idea of where I needed to head, what market I was going to be serving. Honestly, when I jumped into this, I wasn't exactly sure who my market would be. But as I progressed, I started seeing who wanted my products. So my products, I was able to niche down specifically to my ideal customer. And who is that? So my ideal customer is someone who, first of all, loves to decorate their home because our hammocks are beautiful. But at the same time, they also care about self-care. They want to rest. They want to take time to read a good book or chat on the phone, but lay down. And it's a mix, basically, of anybody who is into decor, but also into taking time for themselves. Okay, so that also helps you then being so clear on who your ideal customer is. I'm thinking that also helps you with messaging. So when you're putting up a photo of a hammock, you can talk about the benefits of relaxation or meditation or the beauty of having the hammock within a room and the qualities, the atmosphere that it brings to the room, things like that. Exactly. We focus a lot on the, not the product itself, but the benefit it's going to bring and how it's going to transform your home and the feeling it will create as you use it. One of the other things that's very important for the customer we serve is how it's made. It actually, I believe that most of my customers value the craftsmanship behind the products and the tradition and just the details itself of how the hammocks are made and where they're made. Yes. Before I forget, I have to ask this question. I want to go back to that. You were posting before you were actually even selling. Were you messaging in a way that people understood that at some point they would be available for purchase? Oh my gosh, so much great information still coming your way right after this short break. Yes, it's possible. Increase your sales without adding a single customer. How you ask? By offering personalization with your products. Wrap a cake box with a ribbon saying, Happy 30th birthday, Annie. Or add a special message and date to wedding or party favors for an extra meaningful touch. Where else can you get customization with a creatively spelled name or fine packaging that includes a saying whose meaning is known to a select two? Not only are customers willing to pay for these special touches, they'll tell their friends and word will spread about your company and products. You can create personalized ribbons and labels in seconds. Make just one or thousands without waiting weeks or having to spend money to order yards and yards. Print words in any language or font. Add logos, images, even photos. Perfect for branding or adding ingredient and flavor labels too. For more information, go to theribbonprintcompany.com. Yes, but I wasn't exactly sure where I was taking the business, but I was. My intention was to start the business. I need to go back and take a look at that because it's kind of funny, but that's my story. That's how I really got started. So it's honestly, it was coming from an authentic place. I've never tried to copy anyone, honestly. I feel that customers can totally feel that. I don't think there's anybody like me and not that I'm anything special, but I'm a Latina, I'm an immigrant, I am from El Salvador, and I've been given all these opportunities. So I have to be able to use it and put it into just to give back somehow. 
So I think that's completely, you can visualize that on my posts and on my pictures and everything. I try to be as transparent as I can with that. Yeah. Well, first off, you are special. (laughs) So I'm starting (laughs) with that. But also, I like what you're talking about because you were kind of warming up the audience and almost building this anticipation for when the product would be available. Now, I get that you didn't know for sure what it was going to look like yet. You were taking people on the journey with you as you were learning and understanding and seeing. And I don't know that I'm going to go back or anyone's going to go back and Instagram and look. So don't worry about that. Don't spend any time (laughs) doing that. But I hope there are some things that don't quite align or are exactly what you would do now because it's a progression. But here's a perfect example. You started building a following. So now let's talk about, all right, you've been going on Instagram, you've been doing research for the product, you have some business background, you had worked at an importing business, which is, I think, great because it shows that you picked up some skills and knowledge from a totally different career, if you will, that then you could use in your current business. So let's go now to the point where you have products ready to sell. How did that happen? So once I set up my website, Sue, I started seeing the traction and I started seeing what people were gravitating towards. What was the point where you officially said you were in business? Was it when the website went live, when you had your first product to sell that people could buy through Messenger on Instagram? Or what was your position when you had your first sale? What did you have available? So the way I started selling, honestly, was through Instagram and posting information about the new product, say new collection or new product up for sale now. And people would just immediately go into my website and then click on it and start looking. So you did have the website up when you quote unquote officially opened the doors. Yes. So I wanted to make sure that people would go there and they would find the products I was talking about and the pictures that I was sharing. I wanted people to be able to replicate that at home. So yes, when I started sending people over to my website was when I already had my product set up. Okay. I was just curious because now a lot of people are putting up pictures and then saying, if you're interested, connect with me in the DMs, right? That's another way to do it right now if you don't have a shop set up yet. And of course, we were talking earlier about Facebook shops and what that is going to now start being able to offer everybody. But for you, it was the website. And so you started getting sales. What was it like with that first sale? Oh my gosh, it was so excited. It's like you've been working so hard towards something and then that first sale comes in. It's very, very exciting. But that completely validated everything that I had been working for. You know, it was just like, yes, I knew people were going to love this because I love it. And so it's just a great feeling. It really just gives you that push and that motivation to keep going. Was it somebody who friend family or was it somebody who'd been following you on social media that you hadn't known before? I have no idea how they got there, Sue. I'm guessing Google search is amazing as well. When people are trying to find something, they'll go Google it. They'll go on Instagram. I wish I could tell you how they got there. I don't know, but I'm very thankful they did because that absolutely gave me that excitement and to keep going. And then I knew I had something special. Well, and the reason I was asking you, I think friends and family as first sales are great because it allows you to test your systems, make sure that shopping carts really working, allow you to produce your shipping labels, the systems running smoothly, credit card processors working, like all of that. 
But when you get the first sale from someone who you don't know, which is what you're describing, it's almost even more exciting because when there's one like that, there are more to follow. So it's exciting that your very first one came in that manner. I love that. Yes. And so I did have to learn, Sue, honestly, like at the same time, because I started seeing what people were asking. And just like you mentioned, people start getting to my website and I started realizing that they were asking the same question. And the same question kept via direct messages. I kept having the same people ask the same question. And they were wondering, how do you hang a hammock chair from the ceiling? That's my question. (laughs) Will you tell us? Yes. And so... And then I realized, oh my gosh, if I want to sell a hammock, I have to teach people how to hang a hammock because otherwise they're going to go crazy. Not everybody's husbands are super handy and not everyone knows how to hang a hammock or do or build something like that. But actually, I decided to figure this out. And the way you set it up is really from a wood beam. All ceilings, most homes have wood beams. And then you would just find a stud finder. And then you would locate that beam. Those beams are fairly strong. And then you drill exactly at that point, right? On my website, you'll find that we also carry now the hanging kits. We want it to be like a one-stop shop, really. When people like a hammock, they just also can pick up a hanging kit just to make it easy for them. But some people, they still want to go to the hardware store and put it together themselves. So we did create a blog post where we show customers how to do it. Whoa, that skyrocketed immediately. Sales completely started increasing at that moment because I was also giving them the know-how on how to set it up. Okay, so you saw a real change when that question was answered. Yes, because I just started getting it so often. And then I realized I'm not going to be selling unless I teach people how to use the product. And I'm pretty sure there's a bunch of other things people are curious about, but just they don't know how to use it. And once you show them how, it just makes a big difference for them. And then they're like, oh, yes, I can totally do this. And I'm a woman. I can set it up easily so anybody can. Is there a weight limit on the hammocks? Our hammocks are very, very strong. So we have a regular adult size that can hold up to 300 pounds. And then we also, based on the needs of our customers, basically, because I started also seeing interest for like smaller hammocks, we created a junior version of our regular sized hammock because a lot of the parents that were going into our website wanted the hammocks for their daughters or their children's rooms. And so then we created a smaller version. That one will hold 250 pounds. So it's slightly smaller, but it's just as beautiful. Got it. And how do you clean it? So the hammocks we make, Sue, also is very important for me to share this with you and the listeners. They're 100% cotton. I really, really want them to be comfortable and as sustainable and as eco-friendly as possible. So I definitely stay away from any polyester or anything like that. I really feel that it's just more breathable, it's more comfortable, and it just respects the environment at the same time. Everything is biodegradable. But the way to clean it is you basically just put it in a little bit of woolite or just a soft detergent, and you just use a little brush and water, and they're super resistant, very, very resistant. Keep in mind, Sue, that the team that we're working with are artisans. They've been doing this for years. They're very, very good at what they do. The quality is something that is important for us. Our target market is one that really values quality. 
And so I am very careful with everything and all the little details that go into making the hammocks. And our team there, they're very good at making sure that they will deliver the products that we're expecting because the U.S. market is special and we want to treat our customers with the best products available. Right. And how long does a hammock last? Well, our hammock zoo can last for up to five years. We have a one-year warranty just because that's the norm. But quality-wise, they're so, so resistant. And if you take care of them, they can last for even longer. I always recommend that you keep them indoors when you're not using them. Most people will set them up indoors. If you keep it indoors, like on a covered porch or inside of your home, they can last for years. Okay, so I was actually doing a demonstration, Anna. (laughs) (laughs) I've been so tempted to buy one of these for so long. So these are my questions about a hammock. But I wanted to just do that by way of example. And I'm talking to you guys, Gift Biz listeners. Did you hear what I was doing? I mean, these were all selling questions, really, that I was asking Anna. And did you hear how she responded? Like she had answers. She had details. All of that information could be turned into posts, social media posts. I don't know if you already have them there, Anna but blog articles, all different types of things. And so I wanted to do that by way of a demonstration for everybody. Have somebody ask you questions about your products. What are the things that people wouldn't know? You might say, well, duh, like my product is obvious. I knit scarves. But what are some other fashionable ways to wear the scarf? How would you clean it? All different types of things you could do. So ask other people what the questions would be of your product. And you might just land on something. I love the fact, Anna, that you're talking about people didn't know how to hang it because that's my number one question. It's like, oh, this is going to fall out of the ceiling (laughs) and it's not going to work for me. And that probably, until you put that up, probably inhibited people from buying, right? And then for you to see immediate action and response, meaning sales, after you had answered that question online for people is a great lesson for all of us. Yes, so absolutely. People were more encouraged. They could actually see themselves hanging it. And eventually I want to create more videos, create better images and all that. But that's work in progress. Like I said, I haven't really been in business for not even two years yet. So I'm so excited to all the different possibilities and the potential that we have with these products. Give yourself time. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> what up to this point has happened that's been frustrating for you or something that was challenging that you could share with our listeners? Sure. You know, Sue, when you're importing a product, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. But for the most part, it's a seamless process if you have all the right steps in place. So importing might take time simply because there's a lot of documents that you will need to have up front. And so not only are you going to be dealing with exporting from one country, but also importing here. So there's sometimes delays with importing and definitely have to refer to this pandemic because it definitely impacted us greatly because the airports in El Salvador were shut down. Actually, they're still shut down to this day. It's been a very long time. And so those delays are something that impacts because we wanted to have our inventory here for the summertime, which is our high season, and that didn't happen. So I was able to overcome this by letting people pre-order. 
So I had to go for plan B and it worked. I was very surprised because people were buying my products and they knew that they were not going to be delivered the day that they order them. So your pre-order list were then people kind of first in line to get the product once you had it in stock. Yes, Sue. People would actually order it. They would order the product and we would just send them a message saying there is a delay, but your product will ship shortly. So our sales did not go down, Sue. I'm very happy to say that. And one or two, maybe a little bit more, but some canceled simply because they needed it for a graduation present or for a birthday. And based on the dates, they just had to cancel. But 95% of our summer sales were pre-orders, Sue. And people were just, they knew that they wanted our hammocks. They were willing to wait. And I felt so, so thankful for that, honestly, because I wasn't going to cancel those orders. The artisans were already making them. Their income depended on this. And so for me, that's important to make sure that those artisans are also paid and that they can provide for their families and that all that is important. Okay. I asked that question really because the majority of people here aren't importing from overseas, but they're getting parts that for what they make from overseas. So it's not necessarily the completed product, but it's one little clasp or whatever the different components are. So this could be an idea for you. I think one of the big challenges is when we reach a barrier, it's so easy to just say, okay, this isn't going to work. I can't do it. I'm going to shut down. I'm going to close. COVID's done me in. (laughs) But to find other creative ways of managing a situation at hand, which is what you did, which is what all of us can do, doesn't mean that when you come to a closed door that you don't find another way to open it up maybe in a different way. And it might be a way that's even better later. So this idea of taking orders and then fulfilling them, first come, first serve, or ensuring that the orders are actually going to happen when you do get components or in your point on a, the product back in is one way of handling that. So I just wanted to bring that up. So actually, Sue, and then also have good communication with a customer in the meantime, right? Because you got to be updating them on the status of their order. Because then if you don't communicate from the time they place their order to the time you ship, that's when they become anxious, right? But if you're telling them, hey, our shipment is coming in next week, it's almost here, thank you for your patience, they'll be fine. Because if they really want that product, they'll wait for it. Right. Agree with you there. So who encompasses right now the people that are part of your group, like your organization chart, if you will, besides stateside. So I know you have your artisans over in El Salvador, but who's part of your team here on the U.S. side? So on the U.S. side, Sue, we only have a small warehouse where we fulfill our orders. Like we don't have a shop, right? So it's me and I have two people right now working with product fulfillment, shipping out orders. I'm also stepping in a lot, shipping orders and then customer service on our end here. Okay. I love that because it shows that you don't have to have a huge team behind you to start and grow and run a business. Who's doing your social media? I'm doing my social media right now, Sue. I'm also learning how to do this (laughs) as well, because like I said, I do have that marketing background, but everything changed. So I am learning as I go. I'm so thankful that there's so much out there, different courses and different things that you can enroll in. It's very accessible. And honestly, anybody who has never done it, I mean, I'm on the same boat. I mean, it's just really a matter of trying and testing and seeing what works and what doesn't. That's a good point. 
testing it out, seeing what works. And just because it worked for somebody else doesn't mean it's going to work for you because you have a different audience. So you've got to test and see what's going to work. So are you taking all your own pictures too? I have a friend who's a photographer and she's helping. She does that for me. Eventually, I can totally see me. I have my vision and eventually I'll try to work a little more on photography now that I'm more clear on who my audience is. So I'm excited to do that going forward. Well, your pictures are beautiful. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Was thinking you had to have somebody doing it, not because you couldn't do it, but they are so beautiful with the hammocks placed in the rooms and the different colors and all of that. It's beautiful. Sue, I have a lot of influencers, per se, contacting me, and I've had, I've worked with some of them before. For free product, they'll be willing to take pictures and talk about your product. So I definitely recommend that option as well. Some of the photography that I use is generated by giving out a few samples or product to them. In return, they'll send me beautiful pictures that I would never be able to recreate on my own because they give them their own spin. The cost is just the product itself for me, right? So got to make sure you make a contract, though, and that both parties understand what's expected for the free product. And then the other opportunity that I've seen that it's something that I really enjoy is having customers tag us once they receive the product and set it up. They'll tag us on social media or send emails and send pictures to us. I love, love that because not only do I use it as content, but I can also use it as social proof for other people to see how others are incorporating the hammocks into their homes. Absolutely. So I have a couple of questions for you. On the influencer side, you say that they came to you and approached you. Did you ever approach any influencers yourself? As I started, yes, Sue, I did work with two. And one of them was wonderful. She was amazing. And she gave me a lot of content. To this day, she still sends me pictures. She'll redecorate her home for every season and she'll send me pictures. The other one that I looked for, she just gave me a couple of pictures and I never heard back from her again. But it's a matter of learning you have to feel connected to the person that you're going to work with and make sure that you both understand. At that time, I didn't even know there was a possibility of creating a contract, but you should write it down so there's no misunderstanding of what's expected and the timeline that should be followed. Right. So it's the details like I'm going to send you the hammock. You're going to send me two, three photos, you know, whatever the situation is, right? It's that type of a contract. Exactly. So it's a win-win, honestly. Okay. And then one question also on the customer tagging. Do you have some type of motivation for them to do that for you or is it just coming naturally? I actually have a couple of things that I do. So I put it on my stories often. I'm like, hey, share your pictures. We want to see what you're doing. How are you relaxing? Share, share. So I do that maybe once a week. I'll post it on stories. But What I think is the most effective is that in my packaging, inside I have a little insert. It's a little card. It's different. I have a card with all the product information and like a thank you note. But separate from that, there's a little like a business card kind of little note saying, hey, let's stay connected. Follow us or 
Actually, I don't even say follow because I don't like people following us. I honestly feel like they want to be part of a community. So join our community. That's my invitation, honestly, because I really like connecting with my customers. I love learning how their hammocks transform their homes. So it comes from an authentic place where I really want to stay connected with them, not only because they can be customers in the future, but they're also going to be sharing content and letting other people know about us. So going back to that, Sue, it's just a little card separate from everything else that goes inside of the box. And it says, let's stay connected. Follow this at Limbo Imports on Instagram and they'll go. Many of them will do it. Mm -hmm. Be part of the hammock owner community or want to be hammock owner (laughs) for the people who are just following you organically and don't get that little card yet. So you don't incentivize like tag us on social media and you'll be entered into a monthly drawing sweepstakes or something like that. You don't do any of that. It's all organic. I don't give out free products like that. I honestly just tell them, hey, join our community. What happens is that when people receive their products, many of us love getting mail. I know we order a lot of stuff online. And so once the customer gets it, they're so excited. And if you have that little card, it just reminds them, hey, share, post. At that moment, sometimes they just need that little reminder and then they'll actually start doing it. And keep in mind as well that my target market is one that is very comfortable doing it, right? So it also depends on who your customer is. I am fortunate that type of customer we serve is already on social media. Is already on and knows how to use it. Exactly. Okay, so let's take a look into the future, Anna. What do you envision... Let's just go five years down the road. Things change so fast. And look at where you've come in two years already. It's crazy. But what are you seeing as the business grows? So, Sue, when I started this business, I just didn't just want to create a business that makes money or anything like that. I really wanted to impact the lives of artisans in El Salvador. I am very fond of everything, my culture and my history, and I'm proud of where I come from. And if I am able to grow this business that means I'm going to be able to offer more employment opportunities for the artisans. And so that's what I want to achieve. And hopefully in five years, be able to sell more so that I can provide more employment and empowering opportunities for them. It's beautiful. Where can all of our listeners come and see more about you? Where would you send them? Definitely our website, limboimports.com. And then on social and Instagram, at limboimports. Anna, thank you so much. Your story is amazing. I love your vision for the future of continuing to help people back in El Salvador. And your product is absolutely stunning. I'm so excited to watch you continue to grow and grow. And I so appreciate your sharing the story here on the podcast. Thank you, Sue. I am so grateful to have been able to join you. I've been listening to your podcast for a while and super excited. Well, we're all going to go over and look at your hammocks and learn how to hang them. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I'll see you guys there then. Take care. Limbo Imports will definitely be one to watch as Anna continues to grow her business. If I had to highlight one point we covered as the biggest takeaway, I think it would be the immediate sales bump Anna saw when she identified a barrier to the sale meaning instructing people how to hang a hammock. So extending that to you, what is the one thing that seems to be preventing the sale? Is it that your price is higher than others? Don't knock the price down and lose margin. I'm not saying that at all. But explain the value of why your products are worth the higher price. 
Or does your product have health benefits that are immediately obvious to you, but not necessarily to your customer? By pointing these out, you show why people should be purchasing from you versus someone else. Now, there are multiple variations on this theme, but I would really like you to take some time today and think about what that could mean for you. Next week, I'm taking you back to your childhood, in a way. That's a teaser, and you're just going to have to tune in to understand what I mean. Thank you, as always, for being here. And if you'd like to show support for the podcast, please leave a rating and review. That means so much and helps the show get seen by more makers. It's a great way to pay it forward. And now, be safe and well, and I'll catch you again next week on the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. Bye for now. I want to make sure you're familiar with my free Facebook group called Gift Biz Breeze. It's a place where we all gather and are a community to support each other. I've got a really fun post in there that's my favorite of the week, I have to say, where I invite all of you to share what you're doing, to show pictures of your product, to show what you're working on for the week, to get reaction from other people, and just for fun because we all get to see the wonderful products that everybody in the community is making my favorite post every single week, without doubt. Wait, what? Aren't you part of the group already? If not, make sure to jump over to Facebook and search for the group Gift Biz Breeze. Don't delay. Come join us in Gift Biz Breeze. Today, 